Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. Real Estate Coaching Radio is the nation's number one daily radio show for realtors who demand authentic, real-time coaching. Get ready for fluff-free, unfiltered, full-strength honesty about what's truly working to get you into action, helping others, and making money now in today's real estate market. Now to our hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Four rituals that can change your life. We're going to finish those points today. Um, been getting a lot of emails. We always do get a lot of emails from podcast listeners. And remember, guys, if you want to email us, it's Tim at TimAndJulieHarris.com or Julie at TimAndJulieHarris.com. A lot of folks thanking us. It's interesting, Julie. So our podcasts, in case you guys don't know this, though I assume most of you do, are listenable forever. So we have podcasts that go back years. And it's fascinating to me when I'll, I get a random email occasionally from someone who's listening to a podcast that we did like a year and a half ago. And they won't reference the podcast where they're getting the question from. Those just sort of ask me the question because they don't realize that that podcast was 18 months old. So I have to kind of decipher what they're picking up on. But the thing that's fascinating is, um, you know, we should do a series on how these guys can start their own podcast, Julie, because it does really give you a lot of intelligence into what people are thinking. So what we can see when we go back and listen or look at our uh, analytics for our podcast is we see each each podcast – has its own specific set of analytics. So we can see that this podcast had this many listens, this many listens, and this many listens. So what we'll do, what we'll occasionally see is a spike in listens to podcasts that we did, you know, some time ago. And, and I'll see that increase in the particular, and, and then it's like, well, why? Why is it that people are listening to that one? Why, what is it that caused, you know, thousands of people to uh, search for information on the, the particular topic that we did and, and here's the trends that I've been seeing. So every year, guys, at this time of year, agents go through the same types of emotional experiences. And it's very, very predictable. We, Julie and I have been coaching agents for just most of our adult lives. And the cycles of emotions that agents go through uh, throughout the year are predictable as predictable can possibly be. And so what I've been seeing and experiencing are a lot of emails from people who are um, – essentially nervous about a variety of things. And the biggest group that I see people, you know, that I'm getting emails from are people that have had a great year or maybe in some cases their best year ever. A lot of that. And that's fantastic. Congratulations. Making more money, having had more success, the whole thing. Love it. Thank you for allowing us to be part of your lives. It's incredibly exciting. Um, All that. But here's the interesting thing is that I'm seeing personally – more of you that have had your best years ever, who have made more money ever, helped more people ever, but are more nervous about whether you can uh, replicate it next year. That's what's interesting to me. And I think the reason that you guys are thinking like that is justified. Your worry and your concern, fear even, all these things that, you know, emotions that are all attached to ego, but nonetheless, they hopefully can be used to move you forward and cause you to make changes before the changes are upon you. You're right to be nervous about next year because the fact is that, that essentially everything that's worked in this past booming seller's market that started in 2011 is obviously tapering off now. Everything that worked in that market won't work at all or as well in the market that we're entering into. And I, I suspect what a lot of you are experiencing 
is the fact of, of what I just said being true. And so you're starting to see some of the little let's just be honest gimmicky things that weren't working or marginal before are just falling on their faces. Where you could possibly make a mistake, and this would be, for example, let's just pick some rudimentary things. Maybe you were doing a direct mail campaign, or maybe you were doing social networking marketing. Maybe you were doing um, marketing for your centers of influence and past clients that was mostly passive. Maybe you were doing doesn't matter what. you fill in the, and, and, and then all of a sudden, it worked in the past moderately well, let's assume, because none of those passive things work really well. They only work moderately well, but now it's not working at all. And the mistake that you cannot allow yourself to make is blaming yourself. And I want you to be very, very clear about what your coach or maybe where your f future coaches are telling you right now. You have to understand what I said previously, that what you did in the past market may not work, at, uh, may not work as well or at all in this new market. Accept that. And so some of the things that you're doing that are more passive, which is what most of you are doing, won't work at all or as well, and it's already started in your market. And so now you're experiencing the ramifications of not making a change fast enough and waiting to see if what we're saying proves out. Why don't you be smart and not wait to see if we're right, and why don't you just operate as if we were right and then take actions now that will make it so you don't have to suffer? Because the problem with this suffering route, which is what most people do, is you wait too long. And this is a great story. I tell it probably too often, but it's so true. I had this great coaching client named Monet. That was his real first name. Still is. God bless him. He's in Long Beach, California. Monet was um, enormous, really, really fat. This is before I coached him, okay? So he was really, really fat. He was out of shape, had been his whole life, gone to the doctor when he went to the doctor, and the doctor said, dude, you got to lose some weight. He said, probably did say, dude, because this was California, so I'm trying to be, you know, correct here. So he said, dude, you got to lose some weight, or, you know, or you're going to have more health problems. Monet ignored him. Monet told me how he smoked a lot of marijuana and just all these other things. Ignored him, ignored him, ignored him. To the point where the doctor, Monet, finally, you know, is having problems walking, knees, whatever. Goes to the doctor. Doctor said, okay, Monet, you now have uh, type whatever diabetes. You've had it for a while, but now it's gotten to the point where you're not getting circulation in your extremities. And so we need to start thinking about what, you know, literally what toes we're going to cut off. What we're going to do, his, his diabetes and his health had gotten to the point where he had waited so long um, that he was going to literally have to suffer full-on, you know, type. I'm not a diabetes expert. Some of you, unfortunately, are, so you know more about this than me, so I'm not going to fake it, okay? But you guys know what I'm talking about. At that point, when Monet was 100%, not just looking over the edge into the abyss, but probably hanging on by his at-the-time fat fingers as he'd already fallen off the abyss, um, that, at that point is when he decided to make a change. At that point, when he was facing down, losing literally his body parts, did he actually decide to make a change? And then he did. And here's to his credit what was amazing. And that, again, this all happened before I started coaching him. I got the I got the in, I got the fit Monet as a client, not the fat Monet. So he then lost all this weight, got in great shape, and was even on like the freaking cover of a Men's Health magazine. I saw the picture, I saw a digital picture of it, and he was ripped, like crazy in shape. And he did all this within this like 12 or 18 months. He lost all this weight, got in great shape, turned his life around, the whole thing. Now, what caused him to do that? 
because the doctor said you are going to lose something that you already had. So here's some interesting psychology for all of you. And I'm only sharing this information because I'm getting so many emails and people asking you know, for help in this direction. So please listen to what I'm telling you because it'll, it'll potentially change the trajectory of the rest of your life. How about that for a bold statement, but it's true. Modern research has proven that people are not motivated by moving towards something. They're motivated by moving away from something, or more specifically, um, they're motivated uh, when they are fearful of losing something that they already have. Monet was fearful of losing his extremities, fingers, toes, appendages maybe would be a better word than extremities. So he was worried that he was going to lose those things literally to a surgeon's knife. That caused him to take action. Many of you, and this is what Julie and I saw back in 06 and 07, you know, many of you weren't in the business then, but those of you were, don't you wish you would have taken action sooner? Don't you wish you would have not waited until your market actually fell off the cliff? Don't you wish you would have listened to, uh, frankly, what Julie and I were saying back then about getting your ducks in order, about saving money, about focusing on being proactive with your lead generation, about not wasting money on stupid things that you can't directly find accountable to results? Don't you wish, in retrospect, you would have listened? Because here's what happens. Here's the normal behavior. You act just like Monet did. You go to the doctor. And you wait for the doctor to say, listen, you haven't been taking it seriously what I've been telling you, so now this is, the, this is the result. And then you take action. How many times in your life have you gotten allowed things to get so bad? It seems to be this thing in our culture. I hit rock bottom, and then I got my shit together. You know, so many of you guys have allowed yourself to hit rock bottom in other aspects of your lives, and it's become a normal thing. You go from basically hitting rock bottom, using that as motivation to get off your ass, and then you fight back, and then you get to the point again where you're complacent and lazy, and then you hit rock, then you need to you know, go through that whole process again and again and again. Isn't that fascinating when you're actually introspective? How many things in your life, we always use weight as an example, but you could use finances, you could use the quality of relationships with your family members. How, how many of you are experiencing these big, vast ups and downs in, your, in the quality of just all the things that are most important to you in life? Why? Because you follow that cycle. You wait for things to get so shitty, and then you decide to basically take action on it, and, and then you basically, that's the motivation. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fight my way back to making it so that I don't have to lose my fingers and my toes. I'm going to lose the weight. I'm going to get my health back in order. And then you do it, and then you get to that point, and then you recreate the problem or a version of the problem again and again and again. You never get anywhere when you follow that. That's what most people do, though. The whole, you know, Warren Buffett once said, and it was so tr brilliant, really. He said, in our, in our country, people celebrate, you know, the guy who lost it all and got it back. He goes, in my mind, I want to celebrate the guy that, that you know, gal, obviously, that earned it, that got it, that built it, that became a millionaire, that became successful, and never lost it. Why is it that we have this obsession with focusing on the comeback story? Isn't that interesting? So the problem ultimately with having a business that's based on these boom and bust cycles that are self-imposed is you never accumulate any wealth. You never get ahead. You never get to the point where, you have, where you're rich, where your money works for you, you no longer work for your money. Allow yourself the freedom of realizing that your business is nothing more than an ATM machine to your dreams because that's what it is. Your business, when it makes profit, and not virtually none of your real estate businesses make any noticeable, meaningful profit, you make just enough money to pay your personal bills. 
You're not making enough profit to really move the needle and get ahead. You're not making enough profit to make it so that you have the ability to purchase things when they go on sale. It's true. That's a choice. You're following really dumb business models, these big teams that make no profit, buying leads, doing all this ego stuff, and you're doing it blindly. You're not – literally, you're not saying, damn it, I want this dollar to become ten. You're saying, if I get a dollar back for the dollar I spent, that was a good return on my investment. And then you rationalize it, well, it helped build my brand. Or you, you know, I, so we sold 500 houses, we being you and your 10 agents that work on your team or your brokerage for that matter. And then what was the profit? Well, you know, you made about 3% before taxes. You might as well not have done it if your goal in your business is to make profit. When the market changes, which is changing now, which this time next year is going to, we're going to be in a different cycle altogether – those businesses, all those people operating on those no-margin businesses, they're going to be wiped out, and they won't, have, they won't have moved fast enough. They'll have waited too long. So not only are they going to be wiped out, they're probably going to be experiencing a lot of really, you know, they're going to hit that bus cycle, and then they're going to have to fight their way back. And whatever, uh, whatever you know, inroads to being success, uh, long-term successful and rich, they'll wipe all those out too because they wait too long. So for those of you who are nervous about recreating your best years ever or you know, essentially building on the momentum that you have going this year, you've got to start with the assumption that everything you've been doing in the past won't work as well or won't work, as, won't work at all because what works in a boom market, a seller's market, does not work in a phase two, phase three market, does not work in a market certainly that's a buyer's market. So before you decide to send me another email asking me a version of that same question, I want you to listen to what I just said for the last nine minutes, and please take it to heart because I'm going to tell you to listen to this podcast. Seriously, guys, it's up to you what you want your future to be like. Do something that will cause the future you to thank the past you, right? You, the, what you're experiencing now, the food you ate this morning, the car you drove, the clothes on your back, the you know everything, the house you live in, all of those things are from your past efforts. So you need to thank the past you. You know, thank, thank past Bob, thank past Sarah, thank past Steve. You know, thank the past version of you. So what are you doing today to make it so the future version of you is going to thank the current version? Is that confusing? Well, it shouldn't be because the bottom line is, is you're working for the future right now, assuming you are working at all. Listen to what your coach is telling you or your future coach, guys. Take this seriously. That way, when the market starts to shift, you'll be ahead of the curve, and you won't be like Monet sitting back at the doctor's office where the doctor's trying to play this little piggy that will, you know, went to the market, this little, you know. That's terrible. I'm trying to make – yeah, I, I'm sorry. It is terrible. Kind of makes the still, point, though. Don't wait until you have to have digits cut off to make some decisions, people, right? It's pretty clear. So, <laughs> well, that's the reason I use that yeah. as an example because it really well, kind of cuts to the BS, doesn't it? Yeah, but how does that manifest itself in their real estate practices? These guys wait until I, – typically what I see is the first thing that falls off is what we would call the recreational buyers and sellers who are doing it because they're making a lot of money on the house and they can kind of flip things. And, you know, they're buying and selling for fun, essentially. That starts to dry up, but nobody wants to believe it. Then the market starts to slow down, maybe a little bit longer days on the market. But, you know, it's not so bad. We can still handle it. Nobody wants to believe it. And then after 90 days to six months of this, when things truly well, slow down. Well, you're talking down, about the phases, right, Julie? So yeah, well, you guys, but they wait go, too go, long. Yeah. Right. Go here. Julie's explaining the phases, but do, the, we did a very thorough explanation of the different phases of the housing market. Go back. Don't listen to Julie's summary as much as go back and listen to the uh, 
It's called Real Estate Reset. Just go to timandjulieharris.com, and on the search bar, just put in Reset. I think there's four podcasts we did on that. You could also go to iTunes. They're in sequential order and find them there. But definitely go back yes. and listen to those brokers everyone. and offices. Yeah, everyone needs to listen to that because that really cuts through all of it, and you can kind of identify, okay, this is you know what Julie was just saying, right? You can kind of see where your market is, when, and then we're going to tell you exactly what's going to happen next. It's Basically, it's your crystal ball. So go back and listen to those, that series of podcasts we did. All right, Julie. So did you have somebody from Facebook or a client or whatnot you wanted to acknowledge? Yes. Indeed. Just a reminder, and Coach Rochelle did a great job posting this on Facebook, uh, an example of door hangers for those of you who like to, you know, leave your office, leave your home office, get out there and talk to people. Uh, There's a great little candy box door hanger that says, buying or selling a home shouldn't be scary, contact me. And it's a little candy box, and you can put things in there and messages and different things like that. So, um, yes, many deals are done by you guys just getting out there and banging your head on your transact on you know leads. I highly recommend that you do this around your own listings and sales. Those of you who have been frustrated by just sending postcards and praying to the real estate gods that your geographic farm will start paying off for you, get out there and actually have one-to-one conversations. It's good for you to do that, and you might be surprised at what you come up with. So lots of different uh, examples are starting to be posted. And, you know, Halloween time of year is a nice excuse to get out there. So I just wanted to give that shout-out to Coach Rochelle for posting that example and reminding people who do that sort of prospecting to get it together. Now is the time to be ordering that stuff and getting yourself out there. And we have to get back to four critical rituals to change your life. We did number one and number two yesterday. So we're going to go to number three, the ritual of journaling for 15 minutes or less a day. This doesn't have to be a huge commitment, but consider the fact that J.K. Rowling, you know, a Harry Potter author, she keeps a journal. Eminem keeps a journal. Oprah keeps a journal. Successful people all over the world, those who consistently make positive changes in their lives, reflect daily and learn from their life experiences. They often use some kind of a journal to accomplish this. So if you want to get somewhere in life, you need a map. Your journal can be that map. You can write down what you did today, what you tried to accomplish, your challenges and victories, what you're grateful for. Even if you just kept a gratitude journal and wrote down the top three things from today that you're grateful for, it keeps your mind in the right place. It's a place to reflect, to capture important thoughts. You can sort out where you've been and where you intend to go. It's often one of the most underused but very effective tools. It's inexpensive, effective, and cathartic. Now, You can do this in different segments. Some of our coaching clients keep a post-listing appointment journal to reflect after you drive out of their driveway and, you know, you go back to your house and you defrag how the appointment went. What did you do well? What could you have done better at? What were the objections that you need to work on? That's just a mini journal having to do with being a listing agent. You can keep your gratitude journal at the end of the day. Uh, Tim, you've done the brain dump exercise for years where you use a legal pad and you write down everything that's on your mind. That's, we call that the brain dump. It doesn't have to be in a particular order when you're, just, when you're doing it and dumping out all of your thoughts. But after you've gotten that on your legal pad, you can look back and see what's critically important. What do I need to do, ditch, or delegate? What doesn't need to be done at all and is just hanging around clogging up my to-do list? And then you can set those as action steps for the next day. Helps keep you focused. And then, of course, those of you who like the more elaborate journaling and that works for you, that's great too. So that is one of your daily rituals that can keep you on track. Some of you guys get stuck, and it's really hard for you to get unstuck. 
this is one way to help keep that consistency going. Anything you want to add to that, Tim? Um, well, the brain dump thing, you're right. I do do that. And it is fascinating how much absolutely useless garbage I have floating around in my head that I still that I think is important. And I do that every single day. Uh, at the end of the day, and I can't do it. Uh, if I don't do it, rather, I don't completely like let go of the day. And it sort of follows me into my dreams. <laughs> right? Just yeah, like you guys. Haunting, literally. So if you so we write you know I write all those things down and then what is fascinating is how much of the stuff that was in my head was just silly didn't need to be in there in the first place it was just a sort of a random thought but when I write it down I put it on a piece of paper you know typing for me doesn't work the same way it's a long yellow legal pad it's a you know I use a red sharpie pen you know and I write all these things down and then I see them and then it's out of my head and then I could just literally go through the next and I just cross off all the things that are liter they have no meaning, no place, no out of context. And then the other things, it's just like Julie said, do ditch or delegate. Um, and um, that's it. That's the process. You guys can do the same thing. And you'll find that at, at the end of the day, when you allow yourself that, you know, it doesn't take long, five minutes, that you will then be able to relax and you'll be able to go back the following day and have a very clear focus on what your mission is. I use then a dry erase board and I'll take the bigger projects and I'll write those I write on a dry erase board and then I'll just knock those off and you know I'll have a long like I think I have probably 33 things on my dry erase board now and every single week I'll and these are bigger projects you know like we're making uh flyers for the HCCA uh our our uh our coaches we're certified making coaches. flyers for the pair certified coaches right and we're making you know working on a new website we're doing things like that are going to require my reviewing um and I'll write all those things down, and if I have people that are helping me with those projects, I put due dates when those things are going to be done by, and that's it. That's the delegate that's part. That's how I keep myself disciplined. Yeah, that's the delegate part. And then you have to – guys, there's an old um, – uh, another mistake that business owners it's, – it's almost become a badge of honor to delegate, but – what's the second word? Delegate, don't, delegate, abdicate. Don't obfuscate. Ob abdicate, abdicate. 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 <laughs> you got to research it now. We sound like idiots. <laughs> it's like when the it's when a I'll king or queen gives chat. up their throne. Yeah, get well. You can just read it. Find just if you don't mind googling it real quick. I, I'm pretty sure it's abdicate though. So the point is, is when you delegate something, uh, what a lot of people do is they will follow up on it. They'll just basically let it go, throw it out to whoever, and then expect it to be done. And that is almost always going to be a recipe for failure. When you hear it's not just real estate people running teams, but when you hear business owners complaining about staff. It's almost always because they are confused about what their level of oversight should be on the person they've delegated something to. That's because they've, they've abdicated the responsibility of um, managing that person, managing the result. The real approach is, and again, this flies in the face of a lot of conventional business thinking, but you need to do what a lot of people consider to be micromanaging in that you need to have an agreement when the particular task is going to be done by, and then – Depending on the individual, you can give them autonomy to complete the task, and then as long as it's completed on a certain uh, due date, and then you can review it and call it done with the person. Or you might want to have daily reports as how, how are things getting done. But it's critical that you don't just walk away from your responsibility of any aspect of your business. And again, this this leads back to the reason so many uh, business owners and you know real estate people in particular they don't make any profit because they delegate the things that are the high-touch, most important things, the listings, the servicing of the sellers, the working the centers of influence and past clients, the even going on listing appointments, the proactive lead generation. They delegate the things that matter the most, um, 
and you know they they think it's all oh, I don't know I no longer they literally will brag about it. It's so insane. I don't call my listing appointments anymore. No, I'm too busy. Yeah, bullshit. You're too busy. You're too lazy, and you think that there's honor and basically, or you think you have some level of status or success because you don't have to go on listing appointments anymore. But what really what you've done is you're you've given away what was the most profitable part of your business and you've driven the efficiency hypothetically assuming you're good or just decent listings you've driven the efficiency down because the person you've delegated it to isn't as good as you at going on listing appointments or they wouldn't be working for you and by the way as soon as they're better than you at going on listing appointments they're going to quit your competitor they're going to be your competitor. So the moral of the story is when you look at when you look at sort of why real estate in itself has become so unprofitable for so many people, despite the fact that we've been in this crazy seller's market, it's because you guys have been applying really terrible advice. That's why. You've been applying really terrible business advice that's not designed around making profit, but it's designed around doing units. Units. You 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 know, look, units are important, guys. I don't doubt that. And focusing on units for the sake of keeping your head screwed on straight, especially if you have a high average sale price, is smart. But the reality of it is, is you can focus on units until the cows come home. If you're spending all your money and you have no profit, you are running a nonprofit business. And you can – that's true for every business owner Julie and I have ever talked to. So it's kind of fascinating when you just remove head from you know what and you look, kind of look at the reality of where you're head, where, how you're thinking. Did you start this business because you have this vision of yourself laying on a beach and picking lint out of your toes and drinking Mai Tais or whatever they're called while somebody else is running? And you're just going to check on your phone occasionally look at your dashboard to see all your minions basically back at the hamster wheel or turning out results for you? Is that your vision? Well, you're going to fail. You, 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 your business absolutely will fail if you run it like that. It doesn't work. It doesn't work for any business. It doesn't, work at, it doesn't work at scale. It doesn't work when it's a huge business. That's not the way real businesses work. That's the way that people who are playing at business think business works. And a lot of business gurus and books out there lie to you about that's how business works. So, Julie, what was the correct definition of that word or, ex, or a way uh. of saying it? Well, either one works, actually, but we usually say delegate, don't obfuscate, which basically means uh, delegate and forget about it and assume that somebody's just going to do the rest of the work for you, which is what you were just talking about, you know, thinking that you can just turn all of your leads over to some VA somewhere and they will magically pre-qualify everyone and magically take the listing and then magically it gets closed, you know, and then typically after attempting that, people come to coaching and say, I'm not sure what's busted about my business. I'm spending all this money. I've got oodles of leads, but damn it, those VAs, they're not able to convert anything, you know, and it's exactly. because you delegated without the accountability attached. And it's not well, just to VAs. It can be to an on-site team. Yeah. It could be just to an assistant. There has to be that level of accountability and that follow-through. And, you know, yeah, that kind of stinks. I'm sorry that the fantasy of just, you know, sitting around on the beach and checking your cell phone. It's not really worth the effort. Waiting for the money. But honestly, it's, it's, it's not worth more the stressful when it doesn't work. That's right. It's not worth the effort and it's not worth the risk. <laughs> So look at Just your business as – it is right. Look at your business as an ATM machine. And only as an ATM machine provided it's actually got the ability to spit the money out at the end, that's the profit. And if you're running a business, if you're – so I had a great call, and I, Julie, I know you have to bounce. You have to get to PC. So thank yeah. you for a great outline today, my dear. You. So it, you guys um, – I had a coaching call today with an, a, a client whose average is probably $3 million. He's going to sell 75 houses this year, so he's making – he's doing really well. Um, 
And his margin, his so I told you, 75 units, and he's going to sell in his averages. It's probably more like 2.6, I bet you. It's not 3 million, but he's making a lot of money. His he makes about his total expense per year for all aspects of his business is only about 100 to 125 grand. So this guy is making, I calculated this morning, a 93% profit margin out of his real estate practice. He has two assistants. So I want you to think about what I just said. He's selling really high-end real estate. It's about 50. It's probably more like 60, maybe 70% listings, and the rest are buyers. He does work buyers still, and that's his business model. And he makes those kinds of margins. And he has in high-end real estate guys. If you didn't know this, most sellers are going to insist that the listing agent's there for every showing, even co-ops. So he's having to run around and do all this hustling and do all this work, and you know. But look at his margins. And so with that money, he's buying buildings. He's buying apartment complexes. He's been investing steadily in the stock market. He is one of, he's one of the wealthiest agents um, on a personal net worth level that I've ever coached because he's run a really high-margin business. Most people in real estate never accumulate any money, any meaningful money, to the point where they don't have to work anymore because they are so seduced by the messaging that's out there. Look to see what happens to all the messaging, all the things that have been normalized in real estate, all the inefficiencies that you guys are being taught to do, all the things, the teams and the this is and the other things. Look to see what happens to that stuff over the next 18 months. It can't survive. There's no money in it. And so I started out today's show by talking to you about Monet and how he was at the doctor and the doctor said, you're probably going to have to lose you know, this appendage and that and the other thing. And he finally got to work, and he finally took action. I'm curious, of the hundred and probably 50,000 that will end up listening to today's show, how many of you guys are going to wait until you're in that exact situation versus just assuming that we're not full of shit, assuming we know what we're talking about, assuming that your intuition about what we're saying is true, that what we're telling you is true, why don't you just take action and stop being lazy, stop buying your business, Stop believing that you don't actually have to work to uh, essentially get what you want in life at a very high level. Remember, guys, doing what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it at the highest level, that is the key to long-term ever-increasing levels of success. We're not going to tell you necessarily what you want to hear and that we're not going to just focus on making you feel good because that's a lie. That's me and Julie lying to you if we choose to act that way, especially on this podcast. What we're going to do instead is we're going to tell you what we know is the truth from having had literally, no joke, hundreds of thousands of personal coaching calls with agents in all markets and all price ranges all over the country. We know what we're saying is true. It's not being tested. I'm not, Julie and I are not going to bring you, oh, did you hear this latest, you know, one of our competitors, his, his whole thing is, oh, did you hear this Oh, new thing on Facebook or this new thing on Instagram? Oh, it's so exciting. It's so cool. Look at that. Gimmick, 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 gimmick. Why is he doing that? Why does he tell you guys that crap? Because you like it. Because it's, oh, that's exciting. That's new. But that has nothing to do with profit, guys. It has nothing to do with what probably is the original reason you got in this business in the first place, which is to become rich where your money works for you and you no longer have to work for your money. Please don't wait too long to listen to what we're telling you. Go back and listen to past co- uh, podcasts, timandjulieharris.com. Uh, there's a whole um, you know, podcast tab. You can just pull down and listen. Use the search bar, iTunes, Stitcher. I mean, the podcasts are syndicated everywhere. This is the number one listened to daily 
podcast for real estate agents. It has been for a long time. Go, you know what? Pick up our book on Amazon, Harris Rules, number one international bestseller. An updated version is coming out this time next year. Um, So, guys, it's up to you what you want your future to be. Do you want the future version of you to be looking back on this you, the one that's listening right now, and say, hey, thank you, past me. Thank you for doing what you didn't want to do and you didn't want to do at the highest level. I'm having a kick-ass Christmas. You know, I was able to spoil my family this year. Or do you want the future version of you to look back and say, damn it, I wish you would have done a little bit more so I could have actually had a little bit more fun over the holidays or had an easier time rolling into 2019, which is it going to be? You decide. It's up to you. You're in control. If you guys need us for anything, it's Tim at TimAndJulieHarris.com or Julie at TimAndJulieHarris.com. You guys have a fantastic day. We'll talk to you on the show tomorrow. This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris, Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at timandjulieharris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time, thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.